0: welcome to bask in friendship we're so glad that you found this podcast we use this time and this space to dig into all things female friendship.
1: <laughs> right. And Sometimes we go down rabbit holes of self-confidence, of being an individual in a friendship, romantic relationships, seasons of friendships, and the list goes on. But today, we're exploring a thread of female friendships that we think
0: a lot of you might be able to relate to, and one that we've even touched on briefly on podcasts before. That topic is the one of work friendships. More specifically, how do you go from work friends to in real life friends? Yeah,
1: I guess they're both types of in real life friends. So maybe the real distinction, or at least in pre-COVID world and maybe post-COVID world. um, So maybe the real distinction here is how to go from work friends to personal friends. Like how do you get that work BFF to leave work and see you outside of work? I have to be honest this feels like a potential landmine of a challenging conversation. Like is this even possible? Should we even do it? Maybe that's even a bigger question. Are there lines that shouldn't be crossed? What if that work BFF is your boss or someone that works for you? Ah, oh, so many questions. Um but maybe one just one simple question to start Breck. Have you ever had a work BFF move into a personal BFF?
0: I have. I've also had a lot of people who were in that gray area where they were great work friends slash acquaintances, but we never made the jump jump. Um, but my most successful work BFF that now I don't even think she's a work BFF anymore. She's just a BFF uh, happened because we didn't work in the same department. So all of our interactions were kind of off the cuff, casual in break rooms. And we made the leap in bonding over how difficult the San Francisco housing market was. And comparing notes on how to get the best rental um that like shared interest and struggle is what made us make the leap but i think it was nice because there was no like as you touched on earlier there was no conflict right like there was no hierarchy we weren't in the same department it
1: made it a lot easier for us but we did make that jump what about you sally um, yeah, I've got two um, good examples and similar. So, in, and in reflecting on this topic, I realize I'm actually quite the female friend maker at work. I love getting close to coworkers or, you know, maybe just all kinds of people. And it just so happens that female friends at work are a big part of that for me. So for one woman, we became fast friends because we found out we had the exact same birthday. And I think we saw a lot of ourselves in each other and comparing notes on being a Virgo and just What that meant. Um, So that was really fun when it came to looking at project plans and decorating our offices because we were the same birthday. So we were having like very similar viewpoints on things, whether they were fabricated or not. Let's believe that to be seen. But it was really fun. Um, And that friendship actually translated amazingly well outside of work. And she continues to be a good friend to this day. Another colleague and I became amazing work friends um, and I learned so much from this person and really looked up to her in the workplace. Um, And in both cases, we were peers at work. Um, So in both cases, I did not work for them and they did not work for me. So in the second example, um, this also this kind of admiration for her and um, the success that she had had in her career. And I just like really looked up to her. Um, this translated really well outside of work in a friendship and just sort of that, that ab- admiration. Um, but, and we do continue to remain connected. We're just not quite as close and probably because there wasn't as much of a shared interest um, as I reflect on it, but yeah.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I love that we've had the same kind of great examples of these peer friendships that translated well but I'd imagine that's not always that the case. So some people don't make the leap or other times the company norms or culture can
1: change or challenge a budding friendship. Well, I think it might be time to bring in an expert to help us dig in even further. It is with great pleasure that we introduce Natalie Underdown, an executive coach and organizational psychologist. She spent 15 plus years in the corporate world. So I think we're really eager to hear all about her work BFFs, and if they transitioned to in-real-life friendships. Natalie, welcome.
0: Hi, Sally. Hi, Breck. Thanks for having me. We're so glad you're here. Um, Natalie, can you tell us a little bit more about your background, like what your corporate experience is like, and how did you make the transition to developing the new company? We'd love to just hear a little bit more about you. Absolutely.
2: So my background in corporate, I spent time doing management consulting and HR consulting. While I was in the consulting world, I started grad school studying industrial organizational psychology, which is the psychology of people in the workplace. And um, then eventually I went in-house at one of the world's largest entertainment companies and built out their organization and talent development, which is all about leadership and performance. And then I was promoted into a diversity role where I focused on inclusive leadership and women in leadership and traveled all over the world for them doing workshops on how to be more inclusive, um, inside of the company. I wound up starting the, uh, going out on my own and starting the new company in early 2018. So it's been a little over three years and, um, I always knew that I wanted to do my own thing, but I was never sure if I was quite ready. And it was actually ultimately a health opportunity where my career was kind of skyrocketing, but my health was declining rapidly and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I wound up taking some time away and and leaving my corporate job to focus on healing. And once I figured out what it was and healed completely, I realized that I wanted to do my own thing and bring a lot of the lessons that I learned from that journey around mindfulness um, from getting sick into what I was doing as a leadership coach and a culture consultant.
1: Wow, that's such an amazing journey. And I'm sure you have so many stories relevant to today's conversation um, so can you share any of those examples of any work BFFs that you've had over time that became personal BFFs? We'd love to hear. Absolutely.
2: The most recent and the probably the closest person um, was when I was in that diversity role working internationally for a global entertainment company. And I was here in Southern California and my counterpart was in the London office And we were in a newly formed function. Um, It had high visibility. So, you know, the C-suite was supporting us and funding this effort, but also we had a lot of accountability to them as well. And um, it was highly entrepreneurial. We were on the phone with each other from, you know, it was like 7 a.m. California time and it would be afternoon in London. And this girl... Her name is Genevieve. Um, she She's Australian. She's the most lovely soul you've ever met. And so we were just, we were busy. We were building something. We were working so hard. We were both traveling internationally. So I would go to the UK and then we would do workshops around Europe. She would be in California often. We just became so close. And because there were, I mean, she's a beautiful human anyway. She's the kind of person that anyone who meets her at first, you know, any everyone loves her just because she's such a warm, lovely person. And I think because we were navigating a lot of complexity, building something new, doing something that hadn't been done before, we were in it together and we became fast friends, you know, work FFs. And then as she would come over to the States, like she would, we would have a work offsite or something, and then she would extend the trip and come stay with me. And, you know, she met my then fiance, now husband. Um, and so we, we became fast friends. And to this day we remain, we've both have since long left the company and she's back in Australia and we still um, are incredibly close. She's absolutely a BFF.
0: I love that story. Yeah. It's so great because Sally and I talk about this concept of camp friends a lot, like these these small snippets of time, but they're so deep because of the shared experience. So it sounds like that was similar to, for you guys. 100%. In the trenches, friendship, bond.
2: Yes. in the In the corporate trenches, but yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So we love that what you like to say, which is you're driven by the idea that we can truly That we truly can change the world through business if we're willing to do work at work. And I'm fairly certain that applies to friendships, correct? Absolutely. You know, I think
2: doing the work um, in our personal lives can look like, you know, uh, therapy, it can look like any sort of personal development. It can look at, you know, looking at the stories that you tell and unpacking some of those layers. And when you bring that to work or friendship, bring a more authentic whole version of yourself. And I think it by doing the work, whatever that looks like for the individual, it really just creates more of an opportunity for authentic friendships.
0: I have a question. When it comes to, to showing up authentically, do you feel like the culture of a company can sometimes dictate how comfortable people feel in, in that regard?
2: yes. I think that, um, you know, this idea of showing of bringing your whole self to work is still a relatively new idea. And I think that we can thank a lot of millennials for having the audacity, and I say that in the best possible way, to really um, drive change in this area around what they wanted and i'm i'm right on the cusp so i'm i'm like somewhat gen x a lot of millennial i'm kind of on the cusp there but um i think that in more traditional perhaps you know old school cultures um The organization was not interested in employees bringing their whole selves to work. If anything, it caused more work because then they were going to have to figure out how to um, effectively deal with personal things that were being brought into the workplace. Nowadays, most companies, at least forward-thinking progressive companies who are at least a little bit interested in the future of work, encourage this and want people to bring their whole selves to work and want people to be friends and to have authentic friendships. Um, But absolutely, there are still some cultures that um, I would imagine, well, and
1: they just make it a bit harder, I would say. So when it comes to female work friendships and those personal friendships, female friendships, should there be and are there any distinctions you can draw between the two? Mm.
2: You know, I think it does depend on, it, it depends, right? I think it does depend on um, the level. So if if it is a boss and direct report relationship and you didn't have a, a relationship before you started working together, the, the context in which you know each other is as boss and direct report, I think that there is... Um, There are a lot of benefits to keeping a healthy distance. It doesn't mean that there can't be an authentic friendship. Um, I just have, I've personally experienced a female boss who made, was trying to make it feel more like a friendship. And in doing so, she really overshared a lot about her life (laughs) to the point where I was like, muffs like I do not want to know this about your personal life. <laughs> we, we have to stand up in front of a room of executives and present and I was like, oh, mental pictures that you just don't want. You know? <laughs> so I think that there absolutely can be lines that are crossed and boundaries that are helpful, especially given the power dynamics and the relationship. I think that um, if you are peers, and you're even if you're on the same team um i think building a friendship outside of work is only going to further support that teamwork um so it just in my opinion it depends on the on the roles that each person is playing
0: in your work and not to put you on a spot like first hard statistic but do you find do you find like even just like anecdotally that people are more successful or happier at work if they have friendship as as a backbone there? I do. I'll
2: quote Gallup when, you know, for years in their engagement survey, they have um, the Q12 and it's 12, I believe it's 12. (laughs) Double check me on that. But I believe it's 12 questions that you can ask your employees to measure their engagement. And it's free. They put it out for the world to have. And one of the questions is, do you have a best friend at work? And they believe that in having a best friend at work, you're more engaged and you're more emotionally connected to the organization. And that emotional connection um, has been linked to um, greater tenure with an organization, as well as um, greater likelihood of discretionary um effort when when called for so putting in that extra effort going the extra mile when when needed and so i remember using those questions um, to run an engagement survey at an organization and the head of hr who was pretty old school he he saw that question he was like do you have a best friend at work why are we asking them if they have a best friend at work this has nothing to do with engagement and I presented the research and the data and pre- and explained why that question was in there and really had to fight for it. And he wanted to take it out. And I gave him all the data and reasons why. Um, and he just felt like it was silly to even ask.
1: Mm-hmm. And that gets back to that cultural piece that we talked about, right? And even this old school versus new school. And it's interesting to think about it as almost like a generational thing and like pushing the bounds. Um, It also makes me wonder a little bit about this like remote work and how there's no longer this, um, at least for some portion of the population, um, the working population, there's no longer this like, let's stop by your cubicle or see you at lunch or um, go for a walk and have our meeting in person. So, like, what do you think that's done for um, either building, maintaining, growing friendships at work? Yeah, I, I think it's hurt the ability to grow friendships
2: at work because those, those activities where you would, those um, casual, uh, organic opportunities for connection are no longer there. And I think that the older we get, and especially for people with families who have less time, then to go ahead and make the effort for a coffee or a walk or some sort of in real life get together, it's probably not going to happen just because they're so busy anyway. And so I think it has hurt that, um, the opportunity for those organic connections. Yeah.
1: And I I think, that that totally makes sense and it also makes me think back to one work experience i had where like after work events or like meetups or happy hours or just like stop by and have cupcakes for so and so's birthday like that doesn't happen with remote work certainly we could get on zoom and have our own cupcakes for so and so's birthday but um it's it's also limiting the amount of in person after work things that can happen even serendipitously like hey you're leaving do you want to like Um, hang out for a little while longer before you grab the, you know, the train for the way home. Yes, absolutely.
2: And that's usually where, you know, so many companies for a while thought that culture was, you know, going out drinking or celebrating something, right? But it was in those spaces and places outside of work where people would be telling stories about themselves, their friends, their partners, their lives, that you got to see the full person. And, in, and those experiences would then contribute to feeling closer to one another, uh, being more likely to give that person the benefit of the doubt. Um, things often flowed easier, flow easier with teams that have gotten together in person and done something fun. And so when those opportunities don't exist organically and it's like you can have stuff on zoom, but I think that the world is really excited to get together in person again and to take things off of the screen and back into
0: real life. Yeah. I think it's interesting you touched on this cause it's sort of the opposite side of the coin. There's like remote work and like the void it's caused a little bit, but then there was also, and I think like Sally and I working at SF, this is a big tech thing which was like the overemphasis on on culture but like more like thinking of some something most people are familiar with like the we work documentary right where they had like a mandatory summer camp where it was like, you know like this um maybe a little bit overboard but the, the, this kind of forced camaraderie right they're like it's summer camp it's fun but it's mandatory It's <laughs> um it wasn't organic do you do you find that You know, are those more successful or less or are they equally kind of treacherous in different ways, like trying to force this culture of camaraderie? um, Can it be challenging for balance or for real authentic friendship if people don't, because it's not organic? I love that question. Um,
2: I think that at the end of the day, culture comes down to behavior. And how we behave day in and day out, how we make decisions, how we act when we're stressed. Do executives have an open door policy or is it really hard to get FaceTime with them? Um, do uh, Does information flow freely or do people hoard information? And so that's like the foundation or the foundation of culture lives in those day-to-day behaviors. So when you look at the like external Um, constructs of a company's culture that people see, like ping pong tables in an office or mandatory summer camp. Um, I think all of those things are really fun and value add. And I think that I'm not even opposed to making some sort of group activity mandatory, because there's always going to be people who Like that stuff and who don't like that stuff. And the opportunity is to bring people together. But I think where companies get into trouble is when there is a really big discrepancy between what they're trying to convey in those outward manifestations of their culture and then what it's really like behind closed doors and in the behavior. So I think that, like, kind of to tie all of this together, I think that. I think that remote work is amazing. I've worked remotely for the past almost six years, both when partly when I was still at corporate and then on my own as an entrepreneur. I think giving people the option and freedom to work in office or remotely or a combination that makes sense for their life and their lifestyle and their needs makes sense. I think it's okay to have some forced culture things if you really are trying to bring people together, but it has to be... um, It's like if you're saying that we're all about community and collaboration, see, look at this summer camp. But then, you know, there are some really big issues going on um, in terms of how management is working inside the organization and how things actually work and how work gets done. Um, That's where I think companies really get into trouble with the forced culture because then it feels inauthentic.
1: Mm-hmm. That That really like resonates to me. I, I worked at a company once where um, for years, like we would do occasional, um you know, happy hours and gatherings outside of work and they were fine. And, and I agree, like there was an opportunity for people to show up as their whole self, but they were still wearing the suit that they wore to work to those events. And there was still this like formality to it. And then one year there was this great idea put forth to have like a camp games offsite for everybody in the department where there would be like, almost like survivor style, like uh, ring tosses and volleyball matches. And just like you rotate through these activities with teams. And there was a competitive thing and there was like winners at the end. And I was like horrified. Like, what is going to happen? We all wear suits every day and heels. Like, are we all going to wear tennis shoes? Like I'm going to see people in socks and sneakers that I've never seen in socks and sneakers before. And just that kind just totally freaked me out because culturally that just never happened and this like sort of letting your hair down casual vibe never happened. But what was amazing is the head of the department and his entire executive team, they were pushing this they were encouraging people to come like for weeks leading up to it and I'm like, okay, well, the proof will be in the pudding. let's see what these guys show up at with guys and gals and they showed up and they lived it like completely a thousand percent polo shirts sweating like stuff you've never seen before. And I just remember thinking like, okay, like we can all feel comfortable and breathe a little bit because it starts at the top. And that culture of that day totally exhibited what they had put forth as the goal for that day and the intent for that day. And that integrity is what they carried with them when they wore a suit to work every day, but they also carried it into this like, crazy casual space, which let's be honest, that's what we all, how we all behave on the weekends anyway. So mm. it's not like those people don't exist in that version. We've just never seen it before. Yes.
2: And did you look at them any differently once they? For sure. Back yeah. on? Oh yeah. yeah, for sure. Now I'm like, these are real people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It can be incredibly powerful for an executive who tends to be a bit more guarded, buttoned up, formal, especially if they are coming into a new company that is a bit more casual, informal in style for their employees and their team members to see them outside of work. It it creates so much trust and so much um, more openness because then, Exactly like you said, it's like, oh, this is a real person, not just this robot that I work for.
0: Absolutely. So on the same po- note, like, do you have any, like, realistic? are there, should people set a realistic expectation about whether or not they should be friends with certain people at work?
2: Sure. I think that something I've seen a lot is, People who have a bunch of friends at work and then they get promoted and then all of a sudden they're a manager, but they're still friends with people who now report into them. What do I do now? That can be a really tricky situation, especially in a younger company um, or a startup environment where things are more casual and it can be hard to do. And I'm incredibly progressive. So this advice may seem a little counterintuitive coming from me, but I think for that newly promoted manager who is in a new management role and now their friends are reporting into them, I think that separating a bit is important because at the end of the day, you are going to have to do the job of a manager. You are going to have to assign work and follow up make sure that that work is getting done you're going to have to help manage the performance of these friends of yours who are now reporting into you and a little bit of separation can go a long way so um, I had someone who I coached years ago who put it so simply he said we'll always be friends I just don't go to lunch with them all the time anymore unless I'm paying (laughs) Mm -hmm. So he stopped kind of going to lunch and hanging out with them midday like he used to do and then instead would be like, hey, okay, we're, we're doing a team outing or I'm taking you guys to lunch today. And it was his way of just creating a bit of separation there. Hmm.
1: It seems like this kind of a boss direct report relationship as it pertains to friendships and female friendships at work is maybe the biggest pitfall. Are are there any other pitfalls we should look out for in navigating those work relationships or work friendships?
2: I think you just have to look at the person and decide um, what role you want them to play in your life. Uh, I think that when you let someone into your world as a friend, you want to be able to show them all sides of you and your life. And for some people, um, for some people, that's fine. They they bring their whole selves and are an open book at work anyway. For others, they may not want certain aspects of their life revealed. I think. Like for me, when I was younger, in my early 20s, and I was going out all the time. So my personal life, I was going to concerts and parties, and it was kind of wild. And my professional life, I was in management consulting, and it was very buttoned up. And so it felt like I was living a double life almost. And there were a few people at work that, I, that were kind of the same way. And so we laughed about that with each other, and we found similarity in that. There were others that I would have never told them that I had been at a music festival backstage the weekend before. Like they just didn't need to know that, you know, there would have been assumptions made or it just wouldn't have landed right. And so I think that um, you kind of just have to look at how much of myself am I bringing to work right now and how comfortable am I with people who are in my work life Knowing what's going on in my personal life, and so it's
0: it does kind of depend. This is so insightful, and I I think it just, I mean, it applies to every working person who wants a friend, right? So all of them. Um, Natalie, can we dig in a little bit on what a healthy workplace female friendship is, and like what that can look like? Do you have any ideas?
2: Absolutely, and I. I'm like Sally. I feel like I've had some amazing female friends at work over the years. And um, I think that it can be even deeper because if your friends in in real life are outside of work, and you know, even if you work in different departments, if you have an understanding of what work looks like for that person, you have more insight into the the whole person. And so I think at work it can look like a support system, an additional support system for you. And then in your personal life, it can be fun because that person knows what you deal with Monday through Friday. They know maybe some of the key players in your life that maybe even a partner or spouse might not even know.
1: So you get a really like deep and well-rounded bit of support that maybe no one else can even, you know, be there for you in that way. Absolutely. Thank you, Natalie. This has been such a thorough and enlightening conversation. We really appreciate all of your insights, especially since you've been there in the corporate world and now um, as an entrepreneur.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun to
1: talk about. Well if you liked getting deep with us today hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and if you want to join our waitlist to get in first on our friendship app sign up at getbask.com see you next time on bask friendship